We are going through a, a, um, a study together, a series called One Word. We're all reading devotional books and looking at a word from the Scriptures every, every day of the week. Um, and I am preaching on that word uh, on the Sunday, and then we're reading about that word from Monday to Friday. And so this is the latest edition uh, in that study. Can I say to you, Happy Easter? I hope that it's been a good day so far. Uh, if you are in my shoes and you've got young kids, you may have already been up a while uh, because the Easter Bunny came and brought some goodies. Maybe you've had an egg hunt or two or ten, and you've got all the candy that you can possibly handle for the whole year. Uh, maybe you've got a ham in the oven and you've cooked some other good dishes and you've got family or friends coming over this afternoon and you're excited about an Easter gathering. And God has blessed us with beautiful weather. Amen. I love this time of year. I love the sunshine and all of the plants and flowers blooming. Truly, it is a pleasant day. But as we begin our time together, I need to talk to you about something that is not very pleasant. A great unpleasantness. And I feel compelled to talk to you about it. I feel that I need to, on this day in particular. I need to talk to you about death. About death. And some of you are thinking, I didn't come here to church today to hear about something that is as unpleasant as death. I came here to be encouraged, to be uplifted. I don't want you to remind me of this nasty word, death. But I hope that you'll stick with me because hopefully by the end of our time this morning, you will see why it's important for us to talk about this word on this day, death. You know, the Bible describes death as a powerful enemy. That's how Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26. A reporter was interviewing an old man on his 100th birthday. And the reporter asked this elderly gentleman, what are you most proud of in your whole life? And he asked, well, I mean, he's, the, the man said, well, I don't have an enemy in the world. He said this to the reporter. And the reporter replied, what a beautiful thought. What an inspiration you are, sir. And the old man said, yep, I've outlived every last one of them. I'm the last one. All my enemies are gone. But there's one enemy that this man had not yet outlived. There's one enemy that none of us can outlive, and it's death. Listen to what the psalmist says in the 89th Psalm, verse 48. What man can live and never see death? It's a rhetorical question. And the answer is not one. And then he says, who can deliver his soul from, and listen, from the power of the grave? Death has power. It's a powerful enemy that we face. But listen, you didn't need me, and you really didn't even need the Bible to tell you that death is a powerful enemy. You already knew that, didn't you? Because you've experienced the power that death has in this world. You've watched a loved one, someone you care deeply about, slowly die. You've been at the bedside of a family member as they drew their final breath. You, at some point in your life, maybe even right now, live in fear of death. Or maybe at some time in the past, you had an experience of terror 
when you thought about dying. So I don't need to stand up here and tell you that death is an enemy. And, and really, you don't need that reminder from the Scriptures, although the Scriptures corroborate what you already know to be true, what you've experienced, and that is that death is a powerful enemy. The nearly 100-year-old American folk song, Oh Death, made famous by the late Ralph Stanley, speaks of death, talks about death as if it's a person, a living, breathing villain. Listen to the words of the song. Oh death, won't you spare over, spare me over till another year? Well, what is this that I can't see with ice cold hands taking hold of me? Whoa, death, someone would pray. Could you wait to call me another day? Speaking to death as if it's a person, a villain. Death is a ruthless enemy, and it is no respecter of persons. No matter who you are, no matter how rich and famous or or poor and unimportant, you face death. You have faced it among your loved ones. You will face it someday for yourself. It will come after every one of us. And death is so powerful that even Jesus succumbed to it. Even Jesus. The Son of the Most High God. The long-awaited Messiah. The Anointed One. The Savior of the world. Even Jesus. The ice-cold hands of death even found Jesus. Listen to what Mark says in fifteen, chapter 15, verse 37. In his brief style. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. Now, there have been a lot of sad moments throughout human history. A lot of sad moments in your life. But the saddest moment ever in the history of mankind is this moment right here. When Jesus breathes his last. When he succumbs to death. It's sad for everybody. Well, it's sad for everybody except Satan. Except the evil one. The great enemy, capital E. You know, death can be traced back to him, to the devil. It was his brainchild to begin with. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that sin is what brought about death. All men sin, and therefore death has come to all men, to all people. Sin came about as a result of Adam's decision to rebel against God. And Adam made that decision because he was tempted by Eve. And why did Eve take of that fruit all the way back in the garden? Because she was tempted by that serpent, otherwise known as Satan. Satan in the form of that animal. So if you trace it back, death can be traced back to Satan, to the devil. It was his idea to begin with. It originated with him. And in fact, the Hebrews writer says that the devil, that Satan, is the one who has the power of death. And so when Jesus dies, that may be sad for us, But it was a moment of great happiness for the devil. Because for the devil, for Satan, that meant that he had won a great victory over God. Because God's son, God in the flesh, had succumbed to a tool of his, to the great enemy death that he created. And so we can easily imagine that that Satan was dancing a jig on that day that Jesus took his last breath. That this was an occasion for Satan to celebrate a great Victory, yes, even God succumbed to death, I have won. Satan is rejoicing over the death of Jesus. And then, something amazing happens. 
Something the likes of which the world had never seen. Something for which there was no precedent. Something for which there was no no equivalent, nothing to compare it to. On the third day after Jesus' death, it was the first day of the week, it was a Sunday. It was like today. Early that morning, some ladies, some followers of, of Jesus Christ, Mary Magdalene and some others, they went to the tomb of Jesus with some spices and some oils to anoint His body. But when they got there, that giant stone had been rolled to the side. And Jesus was not inside the tomb. But there were two angels present. And the ladies were dazzled and they were confused. And the angels said to these ladies, these followers of Jesus, who expected to find the dead body of Jesus because they wanted to come and pay their respects, the angels said, why do you seek Why do you seek the dead among, why do you seek the living among the dead? Excuse me. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And in that moment, the ladies remembered, these disciples of Jesus Christ, remembered that during the ministry of Jesus, he said, I'm going to be handed over to the authorities. I'm going to be crucified. And listen, on the third day, I'm going to come back to life. They remembered. And everything began to click. And so they ran back and they became the first to proclaim that Jesus had come back to life. And the others who they told, the other disciples, they didn't believe the ladies at first. They thought it, as the scriptures say, they thought it an idle tale. They thought it was just too fantastic. But in that moment, God does something that's never been done before. He empties the grave of His Son. He brings Him back to everlasting life. And in that act, He deals a death blow to death itself. Before, death is this great enemy, but God lays into death at that moment. And He sends a message to death across the bow. You will not reign forever. I am more powerful than you. Someday, even you, death, will die. That's the message sent at the resurrection of Christ. Yes, Jesus' death looks like a win for Satan because death was Satan's idea to begin with. And Satan rejoiced that Jesus died. But when Jesus is raised, the whole thing, the death and the resurrection, it all becomes a win for God. God totally turns the narrative upside down. And Satan's rejoicing turns to dread. But let me tell you something. The resurrection of Jesus Christ on that Sunday morning all those years ago is not the most amazing thing that happened on that day. Now, you may look at me and think, what's he talking about? Because that is incredible. I mean, that's why we gather every first day of the week to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Jesus lives, that the tomb is empty. But I'm telling you, that is not the most, as amazing as it is, that's not the most amazing thing that happened on that Sunday. There's something that's even more amazing It's not that Jesus was raised. It's that because He was raised, because of His resurrection, we will be raised. We will be raised. Did you hear me right? That's the message of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And that's the passage that I really want us to focus on for the next few minutes. And so if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, you feel free to. Uh, Otherwise, I'm going to be reading the passages that pertain to this message, but in 1 Corinthians 15, very lengthy chapter, all about resurrection, the argument that Paul is making 
in verse, starting in verse 12, is if Christ has been raised from the dead, and let me just stop right there. Do you believe that Jesus Christ really came back to life, that he was raised from the dead bodily? This means yes. As one preacher says, this means no. This means you're not voting. Do you believe Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? Yes. That's got to be why you're here today. Because um, that's a conviction that you hold. And you feel like today is uh, a way for you to come and acknowledge that's what you believe. And give God the, the glory for that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, If Christ has been raised from the dead, then you can be sure there will be a future resurrection. So if you believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, and you just said that you did, what Paul is telling you that if you believe that, you dare not doubt that someday you as a believer will also be raised to new life. These go hand in hand. They are interconnected. If you believe one, you got to embrace the other. Paul says, if you believe Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, then don't you dare question that someday you will also be raised from the dead. That someday there will be a general resurrection just as Christ was resurrected. And then Paul sort of explains how it works. He lays out for us the timing in verse 23. He says, Christ comes first. He is the first to come back from the dead. He's the first to be resurrected. And then at his coming, and we believe in the second coming of Christ, right? We believe Jesus and the other writers of the New Testament talked about how Jesus would come again, that he would reappear And Paul here says that at his coming, those who belong to Christ will be raised. Graves will be empty. People will come back to life. If you believe Jesus Christ raised from the dead, then believe that you will as well. First Jesus, and then when he comes back, you. Jesus is the first fruits, but there will be a harvest. There will be a harvest. And this is the idea that I really want you to leave with. This morning, this this idea. Our future resurrection is how God defeats death once for all. That's the way God does it. That's the way God really undoes death. That is the, the final nail in death's coffin, so to speak. Death is this great, powerful enemy that all humanity fears. But God says, I defeat death. I win victory over death through resurrection. And I'm going to let Paul take it from here because he can preach it better than me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 52, listen. He says, when Jesus comes back, we will all be changed, verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed Verse 53, this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. If our bodies are not raised and then changed, and this this old perishable body puts on imperishability, and this old mortal body puts on immortality, and this physical body puts on a spiritual body. But listen, if this body isn't raised, death is not fully defeated. Death still wins a sort of victory. And God is not interested in pseudo-victory. God's not interested in just getting halfway there. God says, I am going to beat death once and for all. You can count on it. I will win the full 
victory over death, and it will happen when Jesus comes again, and all his saints are are raised, and all his saints are changed and fitted to live in the new heaven and earth with me forever. That's how I do it. Resurrection is the way that God defeats death once and for all. Listen, Listen to verse 54, church. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? In your face, death. Where is it at? Where is your victory? Where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of resurrection, death loses its sting. Because of the promise of resurrection, death is swallowed up in victory. Death no longer gets the final say. Death is no longer like a cold, wet blanket laid over the earth. Death should no longer provoke the same level of fear that it has over humanity. Not for you. Not for believers. Not for Christians. Death is no longer the sad end that it once was. Yes, we still face death in this life, and yes, it's still sad, and yes, we can mourn and grieve, but not as those who have no hope. Mel Blank was the voice behind many of the animated characters on the Looney Tunes cartoons. I don't know if our kids have seen Looney Tunes, but our younger kids, but most of you remember Looney Tunes, and at the end of most of their productions, Bugs Bunny, who was voiced by Mel Blank, would come on the screen and he'd have a carrot at on his hand that he'd be eating on, and he'd say what? That's all, folks. That's all, folks. Mel Blanc passed away back in 1989, and as a way of remembering his legacy, his family put an inscription on his tombstone that read, that's all, folks. And I'm sure they meant it to be sweet, and I'm sure they meant it as a tribute to him and to his life. But is that an appropriate inscription on a grave for a Christian? That's all, folks. That's it. That's the end. If death gets the final say, then, well, that is all, folks. I mean, that's it. You've reached the end of the road. There is no more to your story. But because of the promise of resurrection, because we know that as God's people at Jesus' return, we will be raised and fitted to live with Him forever because of the promise of resurrection, that is not all, folks. Not even for a minute. It's not all there is to the story. And in the new heaven and earth, as John says in Revelation, one of the best things about it is that death shall be no more. It will be a place where we no longer have to deal with the great powerful enemy of death. We'll no longer have to suffer through the death of another loved one. We'll no longer have to fear death. We'll no longer have to worry that Worry about who's going to be next. Who's going to get this disease or that one? And and when is it going to take their life? No. Death shall be no more. And listen, there's a way, there is a way to be raised spiritually in this life, even as we await our bodily resurrection. This is the way that God has worked it out. 
that we come back to life in this life even as we await the resurrection at the return of Christ. Let me share with you what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. There can be resurrection. There can be new life for you in the here and now. And the way you do it is through baptism. It is baptism that gets you in on identifying with Jesus Christ, with his death, with his burial, and his resurrection. You can come awake now. God wants you to. Come back to life, even as you anticipate uh, the resurrection at Jesus' return. In the novel, As I Lay Dying, by famous Southern author William Faulkner, one of the main characters says, I remember how my father used to say that the reason for living was to get ready to stay dead for a long time. The reason for living was just to get ready to stay dead forever. How wrong he was. The reason for living is to get ready to come back to life and to live forever when Jesus returns in glory. And this life is meant by God to be a training ground for life forever in His presence. And once we come awake, Once we say yes to Jesus, once we submit to Him in baptism and we go through the process of identifying with His death, burial, and resurrection coming up out of that water, we can be assured that not even death, as Paul says, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Not even something as powerful as death, will be able to separate us from the love of God. That's what the promise of resurrection means. That's what it brings to your life. Do you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? Do you believe that the tomb is empty? Do you believe that all believers will someday also be raised and fitted for new life with God forever in heaven. You know, this day, it's a pleasant day. The sun is shining. You've had some fun events this morning, maybe some more this afternoon. But this day is pleasant for far more, many more reasons than eggs and candy. This day is not about a bunny. It's about the lamb. This day and every Lord's Day is pleasant. Because death has been defeated. Because God is victorious over death. Because He won a great win over death at the resurrection of Christ and He will defeat death once and for all at our resurrection. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. When we say He is risen, that is the hope that that brings to each of us. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. We can become alive. We will be made alive at Jesus' return. So my invitation to you this morning, and it's not my invitation, it's God's invitation that I'm privileged to be able to give. 
God doesn't want anybody leaving this place without saying yes to Jesus, without coming and embracing the new life that he so freely offers. And so the offer from God on the table is be raised to new life now so that you can be raised to new life then. Listen, the ham can stay in the oven for a couple more minutes. The Easter eggs can wait. If there's somebody in the house today who has not been buried in that watery grave of baptism in order to come up a new creature, in order to come awake ready for that new resurrection life and anticipating the resurrection to come, listen, we want to help you make that happen. Don't leave this place without making that happen. What a glorious Lord's Day it would be if just one came and put on Christ in baptism. Just one. Or maybe there's another spiritual need in the house today. You're struggling. You need, you need to come and make that known. You need to ask for prayers. You need to ask for God's forgiveness. Why don't you do that? So that we can love on you and encourage you and support you in every way that you need. If you need to come to the Lord today, would you do that as we stand and sing?